Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the Boston studios here. Uh, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating. Check us out live on DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, and Samsung TV Plus from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Dad and I are back in our respective battle stations uh, in South Bend in Los Angeles. We'll get to Jesse out in Boston as well. And, Dad, you've managed to overcome a bevy of technical difficulties to get here this morning, so I'm really proud of you. Yeah, well, you know, luckily you had everything kind of plugged in the way it was supposed to be plugged in. And I don't know if my camera looks weird now. I don't know, but I'm not touching anything. That's what I've learned. I will not touch anything. I will bring your mother down here to mess around with some of these things if need be, but I'm not doing anything. You can see me. You can hear me. To me, that is a monster, monster win, just like we had this weekend with a lot of college football teams. Uh, Man, you're not kidding. Uh, We got a great show. We will get to plenty of the upsets. We will talk to Austin Eckler from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I still almost called him San Diego multiple years into this. About the state of running backs, about their upcoming season. Kellen Moore coming over as the offensive coordinator. We will also talk to Hall of Famer and Seahawks legend Walter Jones about a great initiative that he is a part of, as well as the outlook for the Seahawks season coming up. Uh, But, Dad, man alive, this weekend in college football, the true week one, we had week zero the other weekend. Notre Dame and a bunch of others opened the season, but in earnest, it began this weekend. And for some people, it feels like it might have ended this weekend. We had upsets left and right galore, but maybe none bigger than what we had last night as Duke takes down top 10 ranked Clemson uh, at home for the Duke Blue Devils. Dad, we had the field storm. We had Duke's first win against a top 10 opponent in 28 years, the last of which was Clemson in 1989. And it feels like this could prompt some soul searching, Dad, for Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers because while there's still plenty of time left in the season and their hopes and dreams are still technically on the table, man, the degree of difficulty just went up something crazy. Yeah, it really did. I mean, you have, they haven't lost this bad to a, a to a ACC team since, gosh, for for over 10, 15 years. I mean, absolutely ridiculous uh, since 2014, so right, just about 10 years. Um, the, what we saw was plays Clemson normally makes, Duke was making, right? A couple of blocked field goals, a couple of fumbles in the red zone. That was That happened against Clemson. Clemson didn't do it. A couple of chunk run touchdowns for Duke, a 44-yarder, thir- a 36-yarder. That's something we're used to seeing Clemson do is have those chunk plays. They didn't have those. Dabo's, one of Dabo's lines afterward was he felt they won individual battles but lost the mental battles. Well, I mean, you lost the mental battles and you lost some individual battles too, but this was one of those why you don't look at the stats because – they outgained them. They they had the statistical better game. Now, neither quarterback 
had monster numbers and some of the numbers we saw this weekend from some other quarterbacks. And again, this was Cape Klubnik's second start only. So we were wondering what the next iteration of quarterback at Clemson was going to be. So neither one huge numbers, but Leonard, the quarterback for Duke, had the big touchdown run of 44 yards. Uh, so it was kind of the role reversal of Clemson not having the big plays and, and a team being able to have big plays against Clemson. That that had to be a bit of a head scratcher for Dabo. Dad, you mentioned Clemson had more total yards in this game, had more passing and rushing yards in this game, had a better third down complete third down percentage, led in time of possession, and only had one penalty to Duke's seven yeah. in this game. Every which way, you're right. If you box score watch this game, you would be baffled at the result. But then you go and look at the outcome. And you see a Duke team or a Clemson team, excuse me, that fumbled twice inside of their own 10 yard line that had two missed or blocked field goals in this game that gave up points every which way. And dad, it's why when we assess this on the back end, it's difficult because you could excuse away a lot with that as your thesis, right? Well, look at the freak plays it took to get to this point. Clemson's offense with Garrett Riley at the helm for the first time this year actually was able to move the ball decently well between the the 20s. They made use of the running backs the way they wanted to. It was the self-described dirt raid instead of air raid that Garrett Riley sold to Dabo Swinney when he talked about this leading up to the season. And yet, Dad, the biggest indictment and the biggest concern seems to be there did not appear to be a massive talent gap between those two teams on the field last night. And part of that's certainly a credit to Mike Elko and what he's done with this Duke team. There is no doubt about that. Nine wins last season. You mentioned Riley Leonard, who's piquing the interest of draft folks. This is not a fluke if you're Duke's side. But, Dad, what Clemson's program was and what it is now appear starkly, starkly different at the wide receiver spot and the quarterback spot that for so long were dominant and all time for this Clemson program. Yeah, listen, we were basic. Now, we, we did say Florida State could that be that team this year, but most people are were close to handing Clemson the ACC title. A lot of it just we didn't feel there was the competition to push them. Both of us in our preseason Final Four had Clemson in it, of which we're going to change at some point because we're allowed to. Um, but but there isn't that separation anymore, and it was Florida State, and we'll get to that game, that looked like the team with the four and five stars, the team that was clicking, the team that was hitting on all cylinders. Um, they looked like the team, and and I would imagine in the, the knee-jerk society that we are, people have flip-flopped that, who had Clemson and then Florida State, flipped that, flopped that around um, to have it Florida State right now. But that's a that's a great point. Is we're used to seeing Clemson head and shoulders above everybody else. Now you're right. I mean, while they won the statistical battles, they lost the game, and it's not like they lost the game by a point. I mean, twenty eight to seven. They 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 pretty by score got smoked in this game. So yeah, it is a bit of a head scratcher. And kudos to Duke. We're probably already not talking enough about yeah, Duke. And no, that's fair. Can they be a surprise? This year, we talk about them in kind of a middle end to maybe upper part, upper part, more the upper part, depending on how deep you want to go in the ACC. But now all of a sudden, do we have to look at them a little bit differently? This is what we do after week one. We start to anoint, we start to tear down, and we start to go, wow, maybe this one team is better than we thought. And it's a good reminder, right, to exercise some restraint in how this goes, right? But I would say this, Duke has earned the right, and I said this before the season talking to a Clemson outlet, 
if you're sleeping on Duke at this point, that's your own fault, especially inside the ACC, based on what we saw last year. What we know, veterans on the defensive line like Demarcus May, a coordinator head coach in Mike Elko, who might not be the down-in, down-out coordinator, but we know has a defensive identity that's going to throw a lot at you, was going to be a good test, we thought, for Clemson last night. And then an offense that, I don't know, shades of Daniel Jones with a quarterback that, yeah. listen, may not blow you away with the completion percentage in this game, but made the timely plays with his legs and a couple of timely throws mixed in there as well. And they're going to be a live dog going into this year. Well, but, Dad, I mean, Clemson's been the face of the ACC. I think that's why this feels so staggering is because we have not seen them lose like this. Even last year, when the last couple years, really, when you had DJ Uwe Unglele in 2021 who was struggling last year, you had the back and forth. Kate Klubnick only started one but played in 10 games. Even with all that, they've done nothing but win double-digit games, and now is the first time that feels like it could be in legitimate jeopardy after this. So, you know, they'll, they'll get that test. Both teams, you know, we'll, let's start with Clemson. You know, you have you have a, a Charleston team. You have an FAU team that they should beat, right? Yeah. But then it comes to Florida State. Florida State's that big weekend, where or, or September 23rd is that big weekend. Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State. I think Oregon, Colorado. Now we're mentioning Colorado Woo! in a big weekend game after Oregon put up, you know, 5,000 points uh, in their win. So, that will be a test for Clemson. They'll win their next two, and then it's like, okay, where are you? You you have an ACC loss, but that's going to be the game because let's be honest, they lose that game to Florida State, they're done, right? I mean, it's tough to believe. Now, two losses in a conference, and there's no divisions there now, depending on if everybody else beats each other up, do they get into the title game with two losses? But, boy, four or five games into the season, they have two losses. That's unclemson like and then really for Duke, you sit there and look at them, Mike, and you look at them, and they're going to be undefeated facing our alma mater, Notre Dame. You know, they yeah. have Lafayette, they have Northwestern, and then they have UConn. It's it's tough to believe. Again, this is for week one overreaction things. By the way they played, you would accept, expect them to beat Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn, which would make them 4-0 uh, for when they play Notre Dame, which will probably be undefeated. Uh, by then as well, or or well, that'll actually be after the yeah, Ohio State game. That'll be game. after so the we'll, Ohio State we'll, game. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But but Duke has some tests coming up as well because we need to start talking about them as well. Yeah, and I still don't think, based on what we saw last night, that I would consider them in the class with Florida State. I agree. Overall, I that's agree. gonna and Dad, Florida State really rounds into the conversation. That I think Clemson fans are going to be having this morning and have had for a while because. When you look at Dabo and this program and the way they've always operated, it's been about culture. Dabo considers them a development program, even with the influx of four- and five-star talent that they've had for quite some time now, and has resisted the modern trappings of college football, the transfer portal, and the things that have gone along with it. Dabo and Clemson have only taken three transfers in his time there, and two of them have been backup quarterbacks, and you look at that in stark contrast to what Florida State has right now. Yes, Jordan Travis, your quarterback, who's at the center of all this, did one year at Louisville and then came over, so it hardly qualifies the same, and that was pre the portal that we have now. But, Dad, you look around at the rest of that roster, and you see, especially the offense that we saw this weekend for Florida State, 
Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer. Johnny Wilson, one year removed from coming over from ASU. Jaheim Bell, a transfer from South Carolina. On and on down the list, they have gone and they have done what so many others in the upper echelon of college football have done, and that's used the portal to fill holes on their roster, whereas Dabo and company have not. And again, I don't want to go too far off one week because I will say Dabo Swinney has earned the benefit of the doubt yeah, when it's yeah. come to, over the long course of a season, finding a way to get to double-digit wins. And that MacGyver status has been on display the last couple of years, especially led by a defense that's still incredibly talented. And we saw that on display last night. I, I am less concerned about them outside of some sloppy tackling on plays like Riley Leonard's long touchdown. So Dabo still does deserve some of the benefit of the doubt. But going into the season, Dad, we had it circled because Clemson have been the poster for continuity along their coaching staff. And now you're dealing with new defensive coordinator after last year when Brent Venables left to go coach Oklahoma, new offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley, who's one of the outside guys that you hired if you're Dabo Swinney, and the decision to not be a portal player in the same way that others are. And all of those happening at once are a big-time experiment that's going on right now in Death Valley, and the early results aren't great. And, and listen, if if you're a better team, a lot of times you don't need as much help in the portal. But that doesn't mean you don't need help in the portal. And this is where we are. It's the old adapt or die. I'm not saying Clemson is going to die. But you have to have that as part of your game plan now. It can't just be the 18-year-old you sit in the living room of, uh, the four-star, five-star, to get to come to your school. You've got you've to now reload. You know, it's not rebuild. It's reload. You have to pick your spots. And as I said, the better you are, you may not have to bring into you may not have to do an 86 player switch like Deion Sanders did in Colorado, who was coming off one and 11. If you're a better team, you may not need as much help, but you still have to use that. That has to be a tool in the tool belt. And it just doesn't seem like Clemson is ready to, to, to throw that in, in the tool belt just yet. No, it, it doesn't appear to. And we'll wait to find out if that's going to end up being a mistake right now. I saw Chris Vanini tweet this last night. Clemson now has three of its last four games, lost three of its last four games, and four of its last seven. Three of those losses were by three scores, including last night. So congratulations to Duke yeah. pulling off the upset. A little football school action. I saw them, Kansas, a number of the football schools end up going out and getting a dub this weekend. But uh, not the only upset by far and Perhaps the biggest game of the weekend, Jesse, in Florida State and LSU now has another coach and another fan base asking some hard questions this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Florida State upsetting LSU in absolute beat-down fashion, 45-24. to Really quick, before we jump into that, I do want to say, after Clemson's loss to Duke here, their odds for a college football championship there went from plus 1,200 to plus 6,000. So you guys are talking about Ooh, giving Dabo wow. Swinney, yeah, the benefit of the doubt, but the uh, odds are certainly not leaning in that direction right now. But yeah, FSU upsetting LSU. I mean, big upset, guys, means a big odds change there, too. So FSU odds before this game, they were plus 2,000. Now they're plus 1,100. LSU odds before the game, plus 2,500. Now they're plus 3,500. So a lot of stuff moving there uh, after this weekend's games. How do we feel about these odds changes, fellas? Uh, Dan, I feel nervous because, as you mentioned, <laughs> you and I both picked Clemson to represent the ACC yeah. in the college yeah. football playoff this year. And if we were going to wave a wand and do a do-over, I, I, I might, you know, Florida State, and we, it's not like we put them off on the backside, right? We looked and said of the ACC, it's probably a two-team conference in Florida State 
and Clemson as far as right. who we think could represent in the playoffs. But, Dad, when you look at what they were able to do in this game, a rematch of a game that they lost a year before, or excuse me, won a year before, but in much closer fashion there off the back of a bunch of LSU bad special teams play, Dad, this time around, this was a good old-fashioned thunder punch to the mouth by this Florida State team. What stood out to you the most in this game? What stood out to me is the adjustments in the second half. That's what stood out to me. You look at a team at Florida State's down 17-14. They outscore at halftime. They outscore LSU 31-7. And you saw in the first game, their running game was getting stuffed. And Remember, we, we were talking during the game, the amount of athletes on the field for both teams of the big playability or a fumble or a drop pass, the you almost every single play is the possibility of somebody taking it to the house on either side of the ball. It was a fun game to watch, sloppy at times for sure. But what Florida State did in the second half by running the ball, they could not get a thing in the first half. Second half, two backs, sometimes they have the tight end as an H-back, but they had blocking backs, and they changed it up in the second half and were able to run the ball. You run the ball, now you control the clock. You control the clock, now you get to get receivers even more open on play-action pass. And they had two great uh, great guys. And uh, Who was it? Uh, Deion Coleman, the kid who came from Michigan State, and Johnny Wilson, who is unbelievable to watch at 6'7". But, man, I mean, hang on to the ball. He is a big play one way or the other. He will make a monster play for you, and then a ball will hit him right in the hands, and he'll drop it. But those two receivers going with their, their quarterback and Jordan Travis on what he did who threw four touchdowns, in this game, they have some explosiveness on offense, but that running game being successful in the second half, Mike, I think, as you know, as a former old lineman, that running game is going to open up everything else for them, and it did. Yeah, I, I think for Florida State and LSU, Florida State's offense versus LSU defensive front, that was really good on really good. Florida State, the biggest improvement under Mike Norvell in this program has been the offensive line, bar none. It's gone from major weakness to legitimate strength now, and they do it by having one thing they do really well. Florida State is going to run counter, meaning they're going to get two pullers going and try and create a gap as well as anybody in college football. They're going to run it early, and they're going to run it often. And they've got a quarterback that can help them run it in Jordan Travis, and they've got a great running back in Trey Benson, who didn't have the biggest game in the world. But like you said, timely in the second half. Dad, going up against an LSU defensive front that I think coming off this game is going to be the subject of the biggest question here for them. Yeah. LSU linebacker Harold Perkins was a sensation last year as a freshman. And they've got to move playing off-ball linebacker full-time now in the middle of that defense. And Brian Kelly, their head coach, even talked after the game and said, listen, this is a major change for him. You saw some moments where he was thinking, he was processing, he was going through a bunch of things that are new to him versus just being the guy that had been tasked with largely going after the quarterback last year. And a lot of people disagreeing with his usage there, Dad. And I can understand wanting to put him in the middle of the defense. We saw this with Micah Parsons, a guy who I think is an interesting comp at Penn State, where you had him in the middle because you wanted to give him a ton of chances to impact the game. But, Dad, I think there is something to be said for when you've got one of the more unique athletes in the sport and he is as adept at getting after the pass or hawking down quarterbacks as anyone in the country, you got to give him more opportunities than he had in this game to do that. I think it was seven pass rush opportunities or something like that he had against this offense that was going bombs away at so many of these big targets in the wide receiver room. Yeah, uh, w without question. Brian Kelly is going to get questioned about that. Uh, and certainly the way his defense gave up rush yards in the second half. I mean, this is LSU coming off 
playing in the SEC championship game the, the was supposed to be the next step. Now, they did lose to Florida State by a point last year on a block sector point and made it to the SEC championship game. But I think a lot of people feel a little more shaky this year that it should have been a better start for them. And Florida State won their game last year against LSU and then kind of bottomed out during the season where the expectation and now has slipped for Florida State being that team. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders Heisman odds went up plus 4,000. Colorado championship odds, they went from plus 20,000 to plus 10,000. Guys, I don't think any of us saw that Colorado win coming over TCU. I mean, I thought maybe they would cover the spread here, but definitely not going to be underestimating Colorado anytime soon. Uh, well, Jesse used the operative term right there. It's uh, do you believe now? That was the question <laughs> Deion Sanders was asking everybody after this game and dad it, it, it's it's hard to say no at this point now we can talk about what that means going forward because one week doesn't make a season but man did it make an impression uh what was yours with Colorado coming off week one dad because I, I look at this team that I thought was going to be due for the under on their win total of you know three three and a half whatever you yeah. saw had all the roster overhaul there 
I saw a team that not only was explosive on offense, Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter were not going to be able to say enough good things about what those guys did over the course of this game, especially Travis Hunter's two-way performance. But, Dad, overall, this was an extremely disciplined and prepared football team in some of the most unique circumstances we've ever seen in the sport. And for that, Deion Sanders and company, I think, deserve even more credit than they're getting right now. So, so much to this narrative, right, uh, of Deion and coaching and nobody believed. And you heard him in his post-game presser. He's got receipts, called out one of the uh, uh, writers out there. I read your stuff, you know. So he's holding on to that, and that's what he's using. So let, let, let me do an overall thing first before we get to the game. And, and listen, everybody finds something to use as a chip. But, and this is what Dion's doing. And listen, he has proved it. He is proving it, I should say, right now. But using the, you know, no one believes and look at, we knew this all along. Dion, nobody was going to believe right off the bat. They just weren't. Okay. I mean, we have seen great players come and struggle as coaches. And I know Dion has been successful wherever he's been, but that's been high school and then Jackson State. And, and make no mistake, he was great at Jackson State. Phenomenal. Then made the jump to the Power Five to a team with the worst roster basically in the country, and he overhauled it by 86 players. So for anybody to sit there and say, oh, yep, they're, they're going to be in the hunt for the conference title, I, I believe – and that's just not going to happen. It was going to have to be proved on the field. And that's what—that's the thing he did in game one, him and his team. So all the kudos in the world, and he'll keep using the chip on his shoulder. And I get it. It's fine because it can work because he's got the players buying in. And that's the bottom line to everything. He One of the things he was most impressed about, and me too, 86-player turnover, new team, first game, just six penalties. That, to me is a real feather in a cap to the coach, the coaches, and the players to how they're running their business. So we keep hearing about how Dion is running his team. We saw results at Jackson State, and now we saw it in one game against Colorado. So yeah, right now, it is definitely working. So you start to come over more to his side to say, okay, you know, his method is working right now. Again, it's game one, and we'll see where it goes. But man, now all of a sudden people are looking at their schedule going, well, they should beat Nebraska, they should beat this, and then all of a sudden they're matched up against Oregon, who put 81 on Portland State. So already you're talking differently about Colorado because of the way they played. I mean, it was so disciplined, and that's where I'm really giving Dion that credit of building and putting that together, really, I mean, in a matter of a few months. Right from going there and bringing his own Louis Vuitton luggage and and changing the team to what they did. So keep using that chip. It's working. I get it. And at the end of the day, just like his play on the field made him one of the greatest ever, even though he was a great talker, it was his play that made him one of the greatest football players of all time. His team's play is what's going to turn all of us to say, oh, yeah, man, Dion's got it going on. Well, I mean, they, they started that off well. It, it, let's put it this way. Expectations-wise, I don't know where to handicap yeah, Colorado right. now because over the course of a long year, I don't know how depth is going to factor into this. The offensive and defensive lines, when they go up against teams that aren't going to rush three as often as TCU did in this game, all, all that seems secondary to the fact that Colorado's going to be fun this year. Like yes. As long as they had five players 
go over 100 yards receiving in this game. Our four players, excuse me, go four. over 100 yeah. yards receiving. Dylan Edwards, Travis Hunter, Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr. Travis Hunter, Dad, we're going to have to invent oh. new words to talk about that dude in this game here. 11 receptions, 119 yards receiving, three tackles, a PBU, and an interception while playing over 120 snaps in that Texas heat that we heard all about during the broadcast, Dad. That's as fluid an athlete as you'll see on the college football field all year long. And what I loved most about him, Dad, is in the midst of making jaw-dropping interceptions, incredible jump ball plays down the field for his quarterback, he got up and had something to say for TCU and their players after every single snap. And that, to me, is indicative of the level of conditioning of that athlete. Because, yeah. Dad, you and I were both not big smack talkers because both of us were way too fat to talk smack and then have to go back and back it up. Travis Hunter apparently is truly taking built different to new heights yeah listen we had to suck in air just to make it to the next play this guy is amazing you're right talk about fun to watch with i believe it was it ended up being like 126 plays as you mentioned i mean that you don't see that anymore especially in power five you don't see that and again this is the norm from dion for him because that's what he's seen so as we see it and as we see it be successful as we talked about we start to buy in a little more between that. I love the story with Dylan Edwards, who caught the little swing pass uh, from Shador Sanders and went 46 yards for basically the winning score. Dion coached his kid in, in Little League football. I love that stuff. You know, I, I love the fact that he's known that kid that long, coached him when he was a, a youngster, and now is coaching him, you know, at a power five. It's just there's some great stories there. And I think it really made people look at more and more, you're clicking on this or that of Dion and when he got there and how he changed things and rubbed some people the wrong way. And the last person in the world that cares is Dion. And I get it because Dion has done things his way his entire life. And all he is, as I said, is one of the greatest to ever do it. So he is secure and confident in his way. And one game into the Power Five, his way, at least offensively, has worked pretty good. Defensively, they gave up a lot of points. And, and as he even said, it's things you have to work on. But, man, that is coming out of the gate so strong. It's proof of concept for players who, when he addressed right. the team in right. the locker room, he even said, not all of you believed that we could be what we showed on the field today. Part of this is also TCU, right? I, I think that was a program going through a lot of change there that sort of met Colorado in the middle. You've got a new quarterback here after Max Duggan departs. No more Quentin Johnson. No more Kendra Miller in the backfield. One of your offensive linemen, Steve Avila, who's a draft pick. Garrett Riley, who we talked about there, as Kendall Bryles takes over. There were a bunch of things, but, Dad, there were still NFL dudes on that field for TCU from last year, especially on defense, and Colorado made them look like they were stuck in the mud at certain times. And so I think this Colorado team, if you really put me to it, bowl eligibility now seems like a conversation that would be a legitimate mark of, man, if you hit some top-end success this season and get that team that was 1-11 last year to bowl eligible, what a way to prove concept to everybody else around here. And for Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter – the Heisman buzz is going to be real. Like Shadur Sanders, especially as that game went on, yeah. looked comfortable. He looked decisive. Travis Hunter, if he can keep this pace up, which I don't know how they're going to manage him going forward because 129 snaps a game probably isn't going to work very well. But, man, if he can get it anywhere near that going forward, Dad, and keep mixing it in like that, it's just something we haven't – I saw someone, I think it was Thor Nystrom on Twitter, likened it to Shohei Atani. It's just not something we get to see very often, a player do two things at this level, both this well. 
Colorado paid Deion Sanders $29 million in his contract, or that's what they offered, and didn't have the money yet to pay him. And they got the boosters and they got the collection to basically pay that. And they're going to have no problem raising money for whatever they need based off one game. I bet some donations are coming in already. All I can say is thank God Mike Norvell and Florida State went out and had the performance they did because if not, that was going to be a very uncomfortable Monday and Tuesday morning for some people involved. Coming up next, though, let's get loud. It's our first show of the week, which means it's time to go mic'd up on a Monday, on a Tuesday. You guys get it. Back after this. Let's go, Jones Bullock. Brought to you by Wrangler. Jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights in styles that keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere. At work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps and button-ups, or layer them together for a little of both. And don't forget the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great, so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use the promo code GOJO15. Wrangler, for the ride of life. All right, welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield still with us in Boston. Great show still coming up. At the top of the next hour, we got Austin Eckler, the great running back for the Chargers. Hall of Famer Walter Jones going to join us as well in the second hour of the show. So make sure you're hanging out with us on YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com. You know all the good places. But right here, right now, it's time to get to some of the best sound we heard over the weekend. It's normally mic'd up Monday, but it's Tuesday. Just go with it. It's still presented by Wrangler, uh, and we are brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. That's G-O-J-O-1-5. And, Dad, why don't we start off? We talked about Colorado's upset over TCU this weekend. Let's hear from the man himself in Deion Sanders about his reaction to one of the most historic upsets we saw this weekend. But guess what? We're going to consistently do what we do. Because I'm here and ain't going nowhere. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. But guess, guess what? These young men in there right now, they believe. Not all of them believed before. But right now, they came up one by one, twos by twos. Coach, we believe. Now they believe. Now Boulder believes. People in the front office, people, people in the building, the fans, the students. Now, everybody want to believe. I'm good with that. We got room. I tell you what, we're probably not talking enough about how cool Deion Sanders has made Colorado oh. gear look again. Yeah. We've talked about this a lot with Marcus Freeman, our head coach at Notre Dame, but he goes with the all-white look all the time. Having white as one of the base colors there for Dion, phenomenal. The guy cuts an incredible pro wrestling promo, Dad. Like Them being good is so good overall for college football because Dion is going to continue to be so wildly entertaining and having results to point to with it is also the interesting challenge now for that team, Dad, going forward. Because you know this, there's two ways this can go. It's either, hey, success can damn you as a team if all of a sudden you believe you've arrived and you you don't have to work the same way or for Deion Sanders now and coaches live for this dad we see him and Saban in those commercials so often together
together. And it feels like a lot of the rat poison stuff, a lot of the using the chip stuff all feels very Saban-esque here. But now it's, hey, you've got your first bit of proof of concept if you're Deion Sanders to go back into that locker room and say, Man, all that stuff I told you this offseason about how we're going to prepare and what we're going to do. Dion may say he doesn't believe in culture around the team, but he's clearly set one. And now being able to show your players results, this is what happens when you do things our way. That's a major feather in a coach's cap and something I'm sure he's excited to use at practice this week. It's one of the best things is you you said the, the term proof proof of concept. Because as he said, and I believe it, there were players that were wondering, okay. This is one of the greatest football players of all time. He had success at Jackson State. He's in the Power Five right now. He's talking a big game to us. Is this really going to happen? And then it does. And the players are seeing, okay, everything the coaches have put in and told us is now coming to fruition. So that's only going to make these players grow in confidence. So this was a monster, monster game for a team that, went through everything from spring game to summer workouts to preseason camp, really not knowing. Dion says he knew, and you know I'm sure his sons who know Dion best knew what was coming, maybe not a win like this, but that it was going to be positive throughout. But the rest of the players now do believe. I mean, this is it's just such a monster thing to actually see when practical application hits that what the coaches were talking about worked it makes you buy in even more. And when practical application is your quarterback also setting a Colorado single game passing record with 510 yards and four touchdowns, that also instills a lot of confidence in this team. Shout out to that Colorado offensive line too. That was one of the biggest question marks along both lines of scrimmage. And I thought those dudes answered the bell really, really adequately. Uh, but this is also about words matching the actions for a coach, and that goes a long way with these players. Uh, Jesse, we've got another coach in a different league now getting ready to say some words about his players. Yeah, we've done all college football so far, but don't forget, Gojo and Golik is going to be live from Kansas City on Thursday. Cannot wait for that. And Lions OC, is Ben Johnson, is saying that they actually might be using the running backs in some interesting ways. They are very, yes, they are complementary backs. What uh, what five does well, uh, Gibbs might not do as well and vice versa. But I think they are both very versatile. So we might use Gibbs in some ways that people don't quite, uh, quite think we might or Montgomery the same way. So I'm really excited to see what they, what they can do out on the field here this week. But we're going to use them all over the place. Guys, pretty interesting there. Do you have expectations for Gibbs and Montgomery after a comment like that? I expect them to go out there and try and wear out the middle of this Chris Jones-less Kansas City D-line on Thursday night. I can tell you that much, Dad. And we knew that when they acquired Jameer Gibbs, this was part of the idea. They wanted to lean into an established identity from last year. They didn't go the receiver route in the way that some people thought they might. We know they've got some dudes there in Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a revelation last year. But they, you know, it was kneecap biting coming in, and it seems like it's going to be more kneecap biting coming out this year. But the ability to be versatile with the running backs, as Ben just said there, I mean, to either run them, to run them out of the backfield in routes, to put them in the slot in routes, looking for the mismatches that you can with running backs and wide receivers. That's the game now, multiple backs and find the mismatch. Uh, whether it's running the ball or passing the ball. So I am excited. I, I, I've picked Detroit to win their division. I'm very excited to see what he does with both these backs. But it's particularly in this game, as you mentioned, no Chris Jones. I don't care if he signs today. 
and he's not going to. He ain't playing in this game that's coming up in just a couple of days. So they want to take advantage of that middle. If they can get that running game going, how it's going to help the passing game. Everybody's expecting a high-scoring game here, a shootout. We'll see. You know, sometimes you get that in game one. Sometimes the defenses dominate. But when you don't have that, have that big guy in the middle like Kansas City doesn't have, uh, that that's the place to attack. And we know it. And believe me, Kansas City knows it as well. But if they can have success attacking, attacking there, think of what those backs can do outside of that, outside the tackles, whether running or catching the ball. So, again, that's going to be one of the teams playing uh, that we see Thursday night at Gojo and Golik kickoff in Kansas City, fueled by Campbell's Chunky. We're very excited to get out there. Uh, Jesse, let's get to one last bit of sound of a coach that was a bit less excited about the way things have gone lately. Yeah, so we had our full slate of college football games with the new clock rules in effect. Obviously, the intent to speed up the games there. Coaches, not sure if it works, and Chip Kelly says he feels like it's just more commercials. Was it just the uh, situation of the game and everything that prevented you from uh, getting Colin in there? Yeah, it was, and, and it's also us learning the new clock rule. I mean, we only ran 60 plays today, and I, and I think um, you know there are other coaches around the country that talked about it. I, I understand the intent of the rule. You know, they wanted to shorten the games, um, but I don't know if the games are short. I think the games are the same length. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot more TV commercials, so um, I hope someone made some cash tonight because... They didn't watch football, but I guess maybe they're out buying a Chevy or a Burger King or McDonald's or something. So we spent a lot of time on the sideline during TV timeouts today. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he did not mince his words. He did not mince his words. Hey, hey, kinda, this, yeah. this isn't changing, right? This isn't going anywhere. They, they can, they'll try and change some rules on the field. Uh, to speed up a game because we college football games can last forever. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, you know, what's never going away is commercials because commercials brings in money and everybody loves money. So that part of it, Mike, is not going to change. It also is going to affect both teams the same amount. Like, it's not like someone's getting an advantage here. Yeah, I mean, really, it, having called a game now this weekend, the South Carolina-North Carolina game and watched a bunch of college football – it didn't really change a ton of my experience no. as a viewer. Maybe I'm not as dialed in because I'm flipping back and forth between 9-11 games and not necessarily sticking around for the commercials the same way as someone who's just watching their team might notice a little bit more. The average number of plays lost, I think, has been somewhere in the neighborhood of like six or seven in a game. I like the fact that the, two, the, the rules now more closely mirror their NFL counterpart. I think that's a net positive for the players and will be eventually. It's new stuff. It's like an iPhone update. Coaches are wired to hate this stuff and chip kelly is also right by the way if you really wanted to affect meaningfully the total runtime of college football games you would run fewer ads but as right. we've seen and been reminded of over and over again this summer money and tv runs the sport right now that is the way it is it's unfortunate in a lot of ways this is just another one of them coming up next though let's get to a plea from somebody else to a teammate here on gojo and Golan. All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality, polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great looking, polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks. 
and use code GOLIC for free shipping on your order. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We have made it to week one of the NFL season. And Gojo and Golik is going to be live from Kansas City on Thursday from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, part of our Hurry Up House Party on DKN. Do not forget to tune into that. But guys, someone that you will not be seeing out in KC is Chris Jones, who has been holding out of training camp, says he's willing to miss half of the season. He is entering the final year of his contract, and he wants a new deal. And Travis Kelsey is, well, he's freaking out, okay? He went on his podcast and made a public plea to Chris. He said, Chris, can you please come back? You're really scaring me. I don't get it. You must know something I don't because I just don't get it. I really want to get another Super Bowl ring with you, brother. This is me bargaining you to just come back and play football for the Chiefs. Please, we need you. We need you bad. So, guys, I think we can all agree that the only thing that is going to get Chris Jones back to the Chiefs is a new deal, no matter how many public pleas Travis Kelsey makes on his podcast. Yeah, Dad, this is actually a little bit surprising. And I know Travis is kind of doing this in jest. It's great podcast fodder. Season two in New Heights. Very excited for those guys. But generally, this is a spot where players normally stay out of each other's financial business yeah. there. Because what Travis is saying does skew in favor of the team and saying, just yes. come back. And listen, he went on him and Jason had the back and forth about this. And Jason sort of represented, uh, you know, Chris Jones's version of this, which is, hey, man, listen, I believe I'm worth a certain amount of money, this team. And dad, he said he's willing to sit out till week eight. I don't think it's going to take that long to see the Chris Jones size value in what's going to happen to that defense on the field if he's not out there. No, I, I agree. And I do think he'll be out there at some point this season. Listen, we, we, we've chatted about this. He'll be out there. The key for him coming back is you can't, while you can try and get in shape, you can't get in game shape. So to be very careful with him after he signs to work him back in so you don't get that soft tissue uh, tear or pull that's going to linger and keep you out because they really need him more for the last half of the season in the playoff run of which they're going to be right there. That That's all that really matters. And I think we all understand Travis, while in his heart wants him back, is messing around a little bit because you're right. That is one of the top rules. You don't mess with another person's money. If they're doing what they feel they need to do, you let them do it, even though it, it's going to hurt the team. There is no doubt about that. Um, so are they going to be in a position 
We know they can already score a lot of points. Look what they did already this year. They kept seven receivers as opposed to five last year in week one. Uh, so even Patrick Mahomes said of you fantasy footballers out there, hey, sorry, but they're going to be spreading the ball out. So I don't know if you could pick just one guy to make up those points, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, a tight end. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I, I don't see but- it being a big issue with him missing the first, even if it's the first half of the season. I was going to say, do you think that gives the team leverage over him in this spot? Because my thought would be, man, you probably do on one side if you're representing the team's interest. Say, hey, we know what we're built for is trying to get to the postseason, is trying to make sure we're maxed out then. But, Dad, Mahomes also hasn't played a road playoff game at this point. And right. if you're looking at the margins in the AFC right now, especially with the idea of the one seed in mind, Chris Jones is a guy that can absolutely tilt the balance of that because of what he's relied on for this defense. And I think opening night, if you're, we always see this, it's kind of a war waged through media more often than not. That's why you see reports leaked outside by teams. We've seen it go on with the 49ers right now and Nick Bosa to try and make the player look greedy, to try and make the player look like they're asking for too much. And I'm not saying that's happened with the Chiefs at this juncture. It seemed relatively civil outside of what Chris Jones has been trying to do here. Dad, the opening night of the NFL and a game that everyone's going to be watching, a primetime standalone game, we know we react more harshly to would be a great place, man, if the Lions all of a sudden run all over Kansas City and it's the difference of the game, that's going to lead every talk show Friday morning. Yeah, it is. And and I don't think you can have a knee-jerk uh, reaction on either side. If if Chris Joe, if they play well on defense and Chris, Chris Jones, everybody could say, oh, Chris Jones, you better come in. Or if they play bad and, and management says, oh, or, or people say management, you better give him what he wants. You can't knee-jerk it off of one game. But you do watch and see if there's a kind of trend going forward where where it gets interesting for Chris Jones. This is the last year of his deal, right? So he needs the year to count. There's a reason he says you go in by week eight. You have to play or be on the roster for X amount of games during a year for the year to count for you. And that's what he needs. He needs this year to count so then he could be a free agent or get tagged or unless he comes up with a new deal, whatever. But he's got to get this year to count. So that's when it could start to get iffy. The first couple of games, I know fans will really try and sway it one way or the other. But 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 I don't. I wouldn't knee jerk it that early. No, but that's advantage in favor of the player. If all of a sudden, for once, you can get fans on a player side in a public negotiation between teams. What a novel concept. Uh, that's the bad side of the business right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Jesse, let's celebrate some money coming out to a young guy in the league, though. Someone did finally get paid yesterday. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys have no problem writing those checks. They have locked in their right tackle position for the foreseeable future. Terrence Steele getting a five-year extension worth $86.8 million, including $50 million guaranteed, uh, max value of $91.8 million. Now, Steele was entering the final year of his previous deal. He was set to be a free agent after the 2023 season. Guys, how do we feel about this? Like, it's a lot of money. Was this an overpay, or how do we feel? This is right on time, baby. Uh, I (laughs) saw someone post a clip. Zach Martin was walking down the hall when Terrence Steele had his press conference and just shouted, there he goes. Big money. Uh, <laughs> Terrence Steele, dad's one of the ones that feels extra cool. He was an undrafted free agent in 2020. He was thrust into a starting role. And really, a lot of people looked at it as the question mark has become part of one of the best right sides of the offensive line in the NFL now with him and Zach Martin. Oh, w- without question. And, and it always seems a little bit more, too, doesn't it? If you get a first-round offensive lineman, 
they're going to get a lot of money right out of the gate. And the expectation is that they play well and get more money. And Zach Martin, a guy like that, has certainly lived up to it. He's going to be a walk-in Hall of Famer. But when it's an undrafted guy and nobody expects anything out of you, and then A, you make a team, B, you become a starter, and then C, you get paid, you know, like some of the top linemen, boy, that is that that is such a great story for a guy like Terrence Steele, a success story of not supposed to be there, yet that's where he is. So that is a great right side of the line as they get ready to kick off. That's a game I'll be covering for Westwood One uh, Sunday night uh, at the Meadowlands against the Giants. I got to see Zach at the Notre Dame game this weekend. Notre Dame played Tennessee State, and uh, Zach was there with his wife and, and, and a couple of the kids. And I, I said, I walked up to him and I said, any former or current player was very happy for you for the fact that you didn't have to go through training camp because that's everybody's dream, right? To be in position to where you're either making enough money, that much of a star, or in a position where you don't have to be in training camp and everybody is okay with it. He did what every player would love to be able to do. That's living the dream, baby. That yeah. is living the dream, as is Terrence Steele now. Uh, we mentioned him getting pressed into duty early. He became just the fourth offensive tackle in the Super Bowl era in the ninth in league history to start 14 games as an undrafted rookie after injuries to Lyle Collins and Cam Irving, his backup back then, and what he's made himself into since uh, deserves a ton of credit for. And, Dad, for the Dallas Cowboys now, they have smartly locked up the pieces on their offensive line, a group that they've actually been able to remake really well since their peak years in about you know 2016, that 2014 to 2016 range when you had Zach come over, you had him as the capstone of that offensive line. And now with Tyler Biadish in the middle, with what we've talked about on that right side here, Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith on that left side, one of the more formidable groups in football that's going to be trying to block where Tony Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, and a running back room that's remade itself with Mike McCarthy calling plays again. I tell you what I'm looking forward to. What have we talked about all, and we'll, I'm sure, talk more about this game as the week goes on, but what have we talked about all offseason, the running back situation? And we're going to talk with Austin Eckler pretty soon about that from the Chargers as well and, and about how the devalue of the running back position. And look what we're going to get this first game I talked about. I'll, I'll be covering is the Giants and the Cowboys. The Giants will be running the ball with Saquon Barkley, and the Cowboys will be running the ball behind that old line. With, with Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn. So I think while you'll see, obviously, passing in this game, it's a passing league, you're going to see two teams that would love to be able to run the ball as we've talked the whole offseason about no value for the running backs. Yeah, we're going to find out very quickly uh, the value of Mike McCarthy as the play caller with that in mind here. A lot of people in Dallas going to be waiting with bated breath to see. But coming up next, let's get to more of that running back conversation with Austin Eckler next on Gojo and Golick.